Today's episode is brought to you by Alexandra Park BJJ. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a full contact martial art and combat sport that was developed in Brazil in the 20th century. With roots in Judo and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, has been developed and refined into a unique grappling art with the aim to allow a smaller and weaker individual to beat a bigger and stronger opponent with the application of proper technique. Based in Muswell Hill, North London, Alexandra Park BJJ's classes are designed so that you can develop your fitness levels, balance, coordination and flexibility in a no-pressure environment and to provide the opportunity to start a new sport at a reasonable price. At Alexandra Park BJJ, we aim to be inclusive so that everyone can benefit from this incredible art, not just the athletic or ultra-competitive. To book your free class, head over to alexandraparkbjj.co.uk or email inquiries at alexandraparkbjj.co.uk. Welcome to Audiobookish, an audiobook review and discussion podcast looking at audiobooks both big and small, as well as radio plays, narrative podcasts, anything audiobook-ish. This podcast may contain spoilers, rants, curse words, mispronunciations of names and places, and more. Hello everyone, you're listening to Audiobookish. My name is Fahed Rahman and I am joined by Poppy Knight. Hello. And we are starting another series of specials. This time we are going to be covering the books on the shortlist to the Week Junior Book Awards. And the first two books that we are going to be covering are The Ice Children by M.G. Leonard and the book that no one wanted to read by Richard Ayoade. Uh, We're going to be starting off with The Ice Children by M.G. Leonard. I'll read out the blurb for this. So, at the stroke of midnight on the dawn of December, five-year-old Finn Albedo is found frozen in the city park on a pedestal of ice. The doctor says his heart is beating, but no one can wake him. Finn's big sister, Bianca, suspects the beautiful, sparkling book Finn got from the library has something to do with it all. But the mysterious book has vanished and no one will listen. As more children are frozen, Bianca realises she's running out of time. Is there a connection between the peculiar stranger wearing a top hat and the disappearing books? The search for truth hurls Bianca into a fantastical winter wonderland where all is not as it seems. Can Bianca remember her mission and find a way to save her brother and the other rice children before their hearts are all lost forever? Um, this is uh, narrated by Henning Keeley with a full cast. So um, what were your kind of like initial thoughts about this, Poppy? Yeah, so I think probably one of the first things that strikes you about this is um, the music that's been put onto it. Uh, it's got a load of music throughout it as well as sound design. But I think, to be fair, there's so much to say on both of them that we'll probably talk about them separately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of the first note I've got here is like, atmospheric intro music i think you know that was fantastic and then um going later on there's kind of a a big transition uh, it's sort of hinted at in that blurb and there's a bit of music in that that i described as like an, an end of episode music because uh, that's what it felt like you know when you get to the end of like end of an episode or end of series on a tv show and the music's really ramped up the 
uh, the emotion in it and it's, it's wrapping it up kind of thing uh, but leaving you wanting more I thought that was fantastic so yeah that was sort of first impression there with the music just even before we got into the narration we had this amazing setting up of okay a this is going to be an exciting audiobook because it's going to have this kind of stuff put into it and that it really set the tone as this kind of spooky book um so yeah what did you think about the music yeah um that the sound design as you mentioned is kind of quite interesting in this there are kind of like a lot of musical flourishes that enhance mm-hmm. both the narration and the performances so you know uh, helen is the the main narrator but there are each i think just about each character has its own mm-hmm. actor performing the voice and you know there are there there is one particular bit that I, I kind of liked in the book which involves kind of like uh you know one of the characters like farting and stomping around mm-hmm. and i kind of i really enjoyed that that, that kind of musical side of it mm-hmm. um uh, as as well but um kind of my, my initial impression was that it reminded me a lot of the first book in his dark materials we've got this mm-hmm. kind of a central mystery uh, a fee- a young female protagonist kind of investigating something that's going on not really having any adults listening to her and her mm. kind of going on an an adventure in kind of like a a winter wonderland sort of thing so that, that's kind of what struck me kind of immediately yeah, I think that's very fair. And obviously, just with what you were saying there about the narrators, like that's set up exactly like his Dark Materials. You know, any previous listeners of the podcast will know I absolutely love that audiobook and that series of audiobooks. And it's one of the things that got me so excited about the format because it's like, oh, an audiobook can be this thing. You can have a narrator um, telling you the kind of the written narration parts, and then you can have actors performing the dialogue. And it just blew my mind when I first heard that. And then it's done in here really well. Um, so, yeah, you've got Helen Keeley doing the main narration and she's fantastic a really prolific audiobook narrator had the pleasure to work with her on some stuff at work and she's brilliant and then yeah you've got lots of different actors for um different characters throughout it Uh, i thought it was interesting that they chosen um at least as far as i can tell but i'm pretty sure uh they've chosen some child actors to do some of the child characters um and that really shows through but also i think they found some you know actors of the future there that was really well performed you know you weren't thinking oh these are inexperienced kids you know just reading something out they they were really well performed even on those those kids lines and i think for a book like this you i think you needed that you needed that um backing of such a big cast so it was so immersive and then yeah then connecting it with the sound design you know if you're putting loads of sound design in to make it really immersive but then there isn't that distinction of voices necessarily it's not going to have the same impact. The fact that this is a whole package, all of that, you've got the music, you've got the different voice talent, you've got the sound design in there, I think is just wonderful. And then, yeah, that kind of, it was like a a soundscape-y music part, I think, if I'm thinking about the right part with that uh, little farting sequence um, that all built up the different layers of music and that was really, really well done. And there was a couple things where, for me, I didn't love the sound design. This is me being really picky. But we know we do this sometimes on the podcast yeah. if we pick out on our, our nitty gritties. Like there was, I've got a note here that at the start, kind of, you've got Bianca's mum is like gasping and sobbing and they were clearly sound effects added rather than the narrator doing it. And I don't think they sounded like the same person. Okay. Like it confused me. Like they sort of sounded like they were the kid making that sound. And it didn't, A, match up with kind of the, it didn't sound like it come from the same person, but also it just didn't sound like it fitted with, with the dialogue at the time. 
And then there was one kind of bit in the in the song, it might have been that song, it might have been a different one, where the narration, you know, states a specific noise at the end. I think it was like that for a finale, they play Icicles Like a Wind Chime, and I yeah. think that part was missing. And I feel like that's a bit of a shame. I feel like when the book gives you something specific, it'd be great if that was actually reflected in the sound as well. But those are minor picky criticisms for what overall I think is a phenomenal example of using music and sound design in an audio book. Like, you know, if people ask me for some examples of what's really good, I'd be definitely putting this up there. Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of minor picky mm. things about the... So when you're recording with a multicast production like this, I think it's quite important that all the voices sound like they're in the same place and there were a couple of instances where I felt like you know the characters felt like they were speaking in different rooms they didn't feel like they were present okay. in the same place especially when there were some sequences especially with Jack uh, the character Jack Frost and Bianca where I felt like like Jack was in a room speaking over here and like Bianca right. was kind of like over here sort of thing and that kind of that took me out of it Mm. Um, a little bit so but I mean apart from those like minor niggles it is uh, you know the, the vocal performances here are really good um, mm-hmm. you know when you've got young performers especially you know th- there is a risk of them coming across as a little bit like wooden and like mm. uh, uh, theatrical but for the most part they I, I felt they performed quite well and again like the audio production uh, sort of the sound uh, design on like things like the song and you know the musical flourishes and um, mm-hmm. chapter endings and stuff like that. Well, I think for the most yeah. part, really well done. I was wanting to comment on that as well, actually, because I loved how often the music carried over across tracks. Yeah. Um. So you know, like if you're not looking at your phone, you don't necessarily realise that the track of the audiobook you're listening to has changed. You know, whether it's on um you know whatever platform you've downloaded it on, or if you're on a CD or whatever. Um. But you've changed chapter and that's, you know, usually where the tracks split. And there were times where the music carried on through that track changeover, which I thought was fantastic. And it really tied up well with the tension that you had in the scene. You know, it was those chapters where we've left it on a real cliffhanger. And that was where they kept the music carried across between the two chapters. And I thought that was brilliant. Um, There were a couple, I think I noted down, potentially which on my end, but where it seemed like on the flip side, there was silence for a bit long where it changed yeah. track. Um, but no, I thought that was fantastic. And then I hadn't necessarily found the same issue with people sounding like they were in different rooms or anything. But what is important to note with this is that it's not only music and sound design, it's 3D sound design. So it really plays with that kind of, um, whether something's on the left of you or on the right yeah. of you. Um, and so obviously headphones is a great way to play that. But I listen to some of this with headphones, some of it without. Um, and even just through my phone speaker without headphones in, I could tell when something was coming from the other direction. Yeah. So that was a, a really cool element that they've added to this that I think works really well and helps make it spooky. And yeah, so this is the, maybe wasn't my first impression or was, was kind of an inkling of my first impression, but certainly my overwhelming impression of this is that it's a spooky book. Yeah. It's really spooky. Yeah. Um, and I think obviously we've talked about this before, how well like thrillers and things work so well in audio. But I think spooky books in general work really well in audio. You know, if, if your kids are into spooky stories, then there's not just reading them, but listening to them as well. Yeah. Everything that about the performances and about the sound and just the fact of listening, the fact that you can't speed up and read faster. You can obviously change the times and um, speed and whatever, but 
still it's being dictated by someone else how quickly you can get this information and it's in your ears made this really spooky the plot in itself is quite spooky it's quite dark you know kids are being frozen um but it's also really reflected very well in the audio and the audio highlights the spookiness of this but yeah not for the faint of heart uh, either it is a spooky book (laughs) yeah i mean um kind of just one thing to add to that so usually um when i'm listening to audiobooks it's I'm doing something else like maybe mm. a bit of gardening or job applications or whatever it is. Um, with this particular one, you can't really do that. You can't listen to this on the tube because you'd be missing out. If there's any kind of like distracting noises mm. or anything like that, you'll be missing out a lot on kind of like what's happening. So it's one of those ones where you kind of do have to sit down and kind of enjoy it with with, um, with your headphones on. Um, mm. Let's talk a little bit about the story and, and the characters mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. So most of the book is, we can say it's kind of like Bianca's story. Um, how do you feel like Bianca was written? How did you find her as a protagonist? Yeah, I thought she was great. And, you know, it shows her love for her brother. That's the main thing that's driving her. And she's smart and she's being very sensible about it, but people aren't taking her seriously. I think the slight potential plot flaw is the fact that her parents are so willing to leave her on her own so much of the time where she's able to go up to these antics uh, when their other child has just been frozen and all these other kids are getting frozen. But apart from that, um, I think it's still within the realms of kind of like, yeah, a really inquisitive and smart kid with a real sense of purpose. Um, And I enjoyed it. And I thought that the way she was narrated as well helped that. Um, I thought you felt really connected to her and you really wanted her to do well. Um, And you felt really close to her in the times where she was really resolute of what she was going to do. And also in those times when she was really unsure what she was going to do and she was feeling scared. And yeah, I thought she was great. What did you think? Yeah, I think she's kind of quite an interesting protagonist in a lot of ways, kind of a lot of what drives her is you know kind of the night before finn is frozen they have like a big argument and she kind of says quite horrible things one of the things that aside from the love for her brother she doesn't doesn't want that to be kind of like the last thing mm. that she says to him so that's a, kind of another driving factor you know she comes across as a very um determined resourceful mm. young lady and um yeah you know definitely sort of reminds me a little bit about Lyra. I think she's not quite as spiky as Lyra from his yeah. dark materials. I think she's a little bit more um like easier along to kind of get along with. She seems to have lots of friends um at school and um that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, this is you know it's, it's kind of a a thriller type story. She, you know, she goes on like a, a detective trail trying to, you know, a little bit like Scooby Doo trying to find out what's what you know you're following the trails of you know this mysterious man in a dark coat and following them to different parts of town and then you know finding out these really weird things and really you know as she tries to reveal the truth to people people you know parents and other adults not believing her which trying to drives her to more and more desperate ends to try and resolve the resolve the scenario so there's kind of like build up to this crescendo as well mm-hmm. one of the things i wanted to kind of mention mm-hmm. is one of the themes that does come up in the story, I'm not, I'm not sure how we can phrase this without being too spoilery, is kind of the theme of like the environment. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you felt that was crowbarred in or if it fit in with what you were mm. expecting from the story. I get you. So partly in answer to that, I don't think it's too spoilery because I think you 
do learn quite early on, even from kind of like inscription on the ice pedestal thing, that threats to winter and winter potentially disappearing is a big part of of the story and i think it is and i think for a lot of it it works very well and i think it's obviously a very important message i felt that when you get to the end and the wrapping it up it potentially lays it on a bit thick and a bit too on the nose yeah um yeah yeah. and for me personally that puts me off a little bit but you know it's an important message and i think it's done well in a subtle kind of people will pick up on this and they will personally want to fight for the cause throughout the rest of it that it doesn't matter too much that the end is maybe a little more preachy yeah Overall, it says it quite well. It's an important point. Uh, it raises a lot of important messages. So kind of also the importance of books and stories um, yeah. is in there uh, and is quite important. And obviously nice that that's then on this uh, Children's Book Awards shortlist um, from the Week Junior. And it's, yeah, encouraging reading. However that is, whether that's listening to stories yeah. or reading them, and that's also covered in here, you know, oral storytelling and hearing a story. Um, it's about stories, not necessarily about physical yeah. print on paper. So I thought that was really good as an important message, as well as, yeah, the environmental stuff, which, yeah. while at some points might be a bit hard on the nose, I think it, it overall was done quite well. And it's good to have a story that is putting those issues to the forefront. The other thing I was thinking about, it actually, though, is because it focuses on the idea of winter disappearing is sort of the the fear in there for why we want to combat climate change and stuff like that obviously worth noting there are places in the world that don't have winter anyway Um, so it's taking a very specific angle as to why we should fight climate change but everything's going to take an angle right and this is a spooky story about you know jack frost and you know magical wintry things so that's fair enough but it did uh, when i was listening to it i did think yes but for children in places where they don't have a winter and they don't have snow this might not have the same yeah. effect on yeah. them as it, as it will on others but it was still yeah a good yeah. a good thing i think how about you it seems like you agreed with most yeah of that. i kind of i did get like a little bit of cringe towards mm. the end but i mean kind of overall yeah you know the theme of kind of having to change the world mm-hmm. in a better way is put across quite well i just wanted to quickly pick up on you know something that you said kind of the other theme of the of the story is stories and how important storytelling Mm -hmm. is and Mm -hmm. how the stories that we tell ourselves and tell our children um really can shape the way that we shape the world Mm -hmm. and i think that was kind of an incredibly powerful message that the book had so is there any any kind of last things that you wanted to kind of mention I think that's right. I think we covered most of it. There was one other part and I don't know what the written version looks like for how it would have indicated it or whatever, but there's a part where Bianca is writing a story herself and it's the actor who does Bianca's dialogue that reads it. And I think that was definitely the right decision. You know, you could have gone with this is kind of a narration section, so we could give it to the narrator. It could be Helen Keeley. But I think it was definitely right that it was Bianca's voice doing that part. And I thought that was a really good, yeah, decision and it made the audiobook great. So yeah, overall, uh, spooky, um, but really effective use of the format. And I really enjoyed it as as an audiobook. I enjoyed listening to it. I think this is a very, very strong contender for the prize it's an excellent audiobook i think mm-hmm. it's just it's one of those books that i think I, I wish i'd listened to it during winter fair think, yes yeah, yeah it's kind of during the height of summer where things are a bit hot yeah. and sweaty and stuff is a bit <laughs> like you know not really the right time of year to be listening to but definitely you know at christmas time mm. it's just one of those that you can kind of hopefully the whole family will listen to yeah, yeah. together so yeah so that's um that's you know definitely highly recommended from me 
at least. Yeah, bro, for me too. Okay, cool. So um, let's talk about the second book yeah. that we're going to be discussing today. Do you want to read the blurb for that one out, Poppy? Yes. So the book that no one wanted to read by Richard Iowadi, read by Richard Iowadi, Jarvis Cocker and Lydia Fox. What is it that makes you want to read a book? Richard Iowadi's children's debut gives you all the answers in a way that's silly, funny and thoroughly beguiling. Have you ever thought about how it feels to be a book? To be left under a whiffy pant pile or shelved forever collecting dust? To have your pages bent backwards or your spine broken? What if you don't have a sparkly unicorn or dragon adorning your cover? Who will pick you out of the bookshop then? This is the story of the sadly neglected book that no one wanted to read. Can its destiny change when it finally meets the right reader? Spoiler alert, yes. Cool. So this is a very different book to the first one that we yes. that we had. Um, I'm going to start with kind of quite a big question. Oh dear. Um, is this a children's book? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, because like, I don't know. I don't know. I've this kind of like, first I want to say I really enjoyed it. I, I love mm-hmm. Richard Ayoade. I think he's mm. um, hilarious. I'm just wondering kind of like what age this book is pitched at. I get you. And I think maybe it's one of those cases of because it does work on a lot of levels. Yeah. You know, I think there's certainly stuff, and this is what you're getting at, that will go over the heads of a lot of kids, I think. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's not a kid's book. Yeah. Um, I think it is aimed at kids. I think kids will enjoy it and will take a lot out of it. Yeah. But then also, yeah, parents listening along as well, you might pick up on stuff that your kids wouldn't. And some of the comparisons of books with other things some of the sort of analysis almost of what it is to be a book um might go over their heads but i also think it's interesting to invite those ideas in to have kids thinking about it because yeah you kind of got the concept of this book you have the book itself the one that you're listening to is talking to you and it's telling you a story about the book that no one wanted to read which has also got a personality and you know can speak and things like that so you've got um two different personified books yeah um, and a lot of talking about yeah what does it mean to be a book and what if we saw books as people what kind of complexities does that give us uh why are books important why do we want to read books what do books do what is storytelling you know there are a lot of big questions that yeah potentially for i don't know some kind of dissertation or something like that um but i think it also does work on the level of kids enjoying the the fun story and yeah the silliness that it talks about in that blurb yeah yeah which is my biggest question to you because i thought jarvis cocker was an interesting choice yes because he plays it very serious and it's quite a, yeah, a serious, like, calm, authoritative kind of voice, as opposed to a silly voice. It's not a silly voice yeah. for this kind of main narrator, which I thought was interesting. And I think especially because there were flashes where, like you, I'm a fan of Rich Iowadi, and I know his style quite well yeah. from seeing him on TV stuff and things like that. And there were certainly certain sentences where I heard his voice because that was definitely a Richard Iowadi sentence. Like, no one yeah. else would have written the sentence like that. And yeah. to hear Jarvis Cocker saying it, as opposed to the main narration being done by Richard Iowadi, was interesting. So yeah, Jarvis Cocker does the audiobook you're listening to, the book you're reading. Richard Iowadi is this book character that no one wants to read. And then Lydia Fox is the uh, well, child is protagonist. Is yeah, you. Is you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, in the story. Um, so yeah, what did you think about that choice? I thought Jarvis Cocker's performance was really good. I think Mm -hmm. he did a really good job. And 
Uh, because I mainly know Jarvis Cocker as like a singer. So kind of having his voice. And I do think he brought some Iowadaisms mm, to okay. his mm-hmm. performance, but he was it was very much kind of like a very dry, straight down the line yeah. performance. There was kind of like hints of like the Iowade like sarcasm or mm. kind of like sometimes there's a little bit of bite in, in the yeah. sentences that he's reading out. But I, yeah, I definitely think it was a good decision. Not, I think if Richard was reading the book all the way through, I think that would have been like a bit much. So having, having, <laughs> and I do, I do like Richard, but just kind of having, you know, everything in kind of like moderation sort of thing. But I think mm. yeah, Jarvis's performance had enough of like Richard's kind of like energy in it while he brought mm. his own kind of stuff to it as well. Yeah, and I definitely don't mean it as saying that it's necessarily a bad decision. Yeah. More, it really wouldn't have been what I would have thought of yeah. initially, and therefore, doesn't that make it such a good decision? Isn't yeah. that such a good thing about yeah. the people, you know, being creative and doing things that they took it in a completely different direction to what I would have thought? Yeah. Because yeah, there was still some points where I was like, I feel like this wanted a, a sillier voice than the serious one. But overall, I really liked that serious and that dry one. Um, yeah. And it's such a warm voice as well, like a fantastic narrator to listen to just in general. I do have to confess, the first time I listened to this was in the car on one of a, a long journey, and I fell asleep. Yeah. Um, which isn't a criticism, yeah. certainly not for a kid's audiobook, where a lot of the time you're putting it on for bedtime. That was how I came across audiobooks, was I was listening to them going to sleep. Um, so that is not in any way a bad thing, and therefore having this more mellow, warm voice, rather than the silly voice, can be a really good thing. And it does add a real different element to the character. I think if I'd read this book, I'd have seen the book as a very different character to how I see it now that I've listened to it. I also think he warmed up to the silliness as it went on. I think kind of maybe where it was even straighter and drier at the start, it got more, okay, we're we're having a bit of a laugh here. Yeah. Kind of just undertone to it. You know, he didn't change his performance drastically or anything like that, but you could tell he was enjoying it more. Um, I mean, I don't know how much prep he did beforehand. You don't know sometimes with kids' titles and with busy actors how much prep they do or if they just go it's a kid's book I can probably read it in the studio but I do think that as he got further into it further into the recording at the very least he did yeah bring even more of that silliness um throughout it um and then I think it was the right choice as you say to have multiple voices because I think that just helped again it was nice having that distinction of those three different voices I think that adds something to the audio and I think Richard was therefore the right person to do the book that no one wanted to read which is definitely a snarky character yeah for sure and having his voice on it his you know prolific voice credits you know I was watching tv shows and films recently that have him in he's in everything everything yeah. uh, voice acting and animation is doing it all so yeah I think that was a really good choice as well and he um does that brilliantly and then yeah Lydia Fox as well as being the you character uh, I thought performed it well it was good to have another voice in there and um, enjoyed that too yeah I think yeah you definitely gave as good as she got from the um yes <laughs> from, from, from the book that no, no one wanted to read so I, I really kind of enjoyed the way they exchanged barbs and tried yes. to kind of like yes, yes. get one up on each other. I thought that was kind of quite a sweet relationship that they mm. that they had. And I just wanted to kind of add one more thing to kind of Jarvis's mm. uh, performance. I think maybe part of the reason why he played it so straight was that I think this is a book that wants to be 
doesn't want to treat children as idiots. Mm. I think this book assumes that, or if you're reading this book, you're smart enough and clever enough to understand what we're talking about. So I'm not going to talk down to you. I'm not going to be silly. I'm just going to be kind of like straight with mm-hmm. you and just yeah. uh, tell you, you know, what's happening. So I think that's maybe part of the decision because there are kind of like some quite complex metatextual, metaphysical yes. ideas that are being kind of explored, but it's done in a kind of quite a silly silly yeah. way but um yeah so that's yeah. the other thing that i wanted yeah. to, to mention on that with kind of those you know metatextual metaphysical kind of things i thought it was a really good thing for talking about here and on this podcast specifically there's a part in it where it makes the argument that like you wouldn't say that someone hasn't read a certain book because they didn't read your copy of the certain book, you know? And that detaching the book from this physical thing that you're holding while also playing about with that physical thing that you're holding. And so, yeah, kind of two parts on that. One, the fact that that argument about your copy is another great argument for why audiobooks definitely count as reading, you know? Um, You know, you wouldn't say someone's not read that because they've not read your copy. You wouldn't say someone's not read that because they listened to it. Um, So, yeah, there's another great argument for anyone who has to try and defend that but then also yeah makes it interesting for adapting this book to audio because obviously it is very much about a physical book with physical pages and so a lot of the stuff basically just hasn't been adapted for audio but I think because it kind of couldn't yeah so you'd kind of have to write a whole new version of it that's talking about audiobooks and then you'd potentially lose some of it it is so much about even though it's about the fact that books aren't tied to the physical thing it is also about the physical thing and so yeah while i'm very much always like for things to be adapted and to feel like the audiobook was made for you and that it suits that i think this one just by its nature had to be the audio version at least for most cases the audio version of something that is physical and some of the things won't quite work you know there's like um something along the lines of like leaning a bit closer so you can see the words or not being too far away so you can't see the words or something like that you know obviously that doesn't apply here but i'm glad they didn't just cut it because that is what richard wrote in the physical one and that is does add interesting things interesting things in the discussion and things like that Um, it would be kind of interesting to compare and contrast like the two versions. Mm. One of the kind of last things I wanted to kind of discuss on this was the structure of -hmm. the book because it's basically a book of two halves because we don't actually get introduced to the character of the book that no one wanted to read and knew until kind of like the second half. Mm. I was just wondering what you felt about that structure because I think for me, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's kind of an interesting kind of editorial decision by by Richard to kind of like wait that long before he introduces that like the main characters to the story. Mm. There's kind of quite a lot of setup. Yeah, I liked it though, and I thought it was quite interesting, and I thought it was all part of this kind of playing with perception yeah. sort of thing because they even say like oh, you thought I was the book no one wanted to read. No, 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 I'm going to tell you the story about the book no one wanted to read. And I did think that, you know, just in, you know, I've seen adverts for this book and and things like that. And I did think that the book itself would be about being the book that no one wanted to read. And the fact that it wasn't does, you know, uh, play with that expectation and stuff like that. So I thought that was quite good. And yeah, you get so much about... Okay, so here's if we had a personified book and then you have a different story and you have a different personified book and it's the actual kind of like storytelling part. And I think also because there's kind of a, it suggests a sort of collaborative element 
Um, so it suggests that the book is writing this story kind of as we speak and asks you for your opinion on it, uh, which is an interesting one because obviously in some ways you can't reply, um, yeah. but it pretends that you have. And in other ways, it leaves it so you could have been thinking whatever and you could have been imagining. And I really liked that because I think it really does invite uh, the people listening to imagine this, imagine that, follow these instructions kind of things. Um, I also think kind of if you're talking about like a, a teaching setting or even just like a, a fun activity setting, there's so much you could do with this book. You know, it, it already has basically prompts for you in there because it has like, imagine a library. Are we going with a big library or a small library? And, you know, you could do so much with that or it explains this is what the library looks like and you could do drawing tasks with that or you could do descriptive writing tasks with that. Yeah. And so I think that's a really a big selling point of this book that it can engage children in that kind of creative part and literature and, and stuff like that that they could really enjoy. And I think that separation in those two sections does that because you have this whole creating a story part to it that you wouldn't have if you just went straight in with uh, with the kind of, yeah, yeah. you and the book that no one wanted to read yeah that's right I, I was just wondering like for me i was just wondering that like, i'm 41 years old so it's very difficult for me to remember what i would have been like <laughs> as a kid but i'm not too sure if i i'm you know i might may well have had the patience to kind of wait for the story to begin i was just wondering what you know whether or not as a child whether there's enough humor in that first part i get you keep, i get you and i think yeah yeah, and I think partly the fact that the humour is kind of hidden by that dry yeah. presentation of it. I think when you're reading it, it might come across that there's more humour in that part. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's engaging enough. You know, A, I think the performance is very engaging, obviously. But also I think this kind of, you're learning about this book who has these opinions and has these thoughts about himself and stuff like that. I think that first section is still engaging it enough. I don't think it feels so much like setup. Um, I wouldn't have th- said. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I also think it's interesting to point out, so we've been talking about how this character is called you and there's some kind of interaction. But yeah, the fact that that story part is written in second person obviously is not completely unheard of, but it is less Yeah, I mean, I can't remember the last time I read the book in second person. Yeah, it it always stands out, doesn't it, when you've got that. So yeah, so that's an interesting one. Again, it's an interesting kind of mental challenge to read or listen to a book that's in second person because you do have to really shift the way you comprehend those words and the way you imagine yourself as part of the scenario and stuff like that so i think it's uh yeah it's really interesting yeah um is there any kind of like final comments you want to make on it i don't know i think yeah it said most of it i think it is a really humorous book even if some of the humor is yeah hidden beneath some different layers and stuff like that but it's really fun it does have some big questions i love the meta stuff uh, as always and yeah, really enjoyed it. It took a different tack with casting than I would have expected, but I liked it. And yeah, yeah. I think it makes it a nice bedtime uh, listen as well. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, it's only, is it an hour long? Yeah, um, like that, 50 minutes or something yeah. between yeah, the so two. Yeah, so it's kind of you know, a good kind of bedtime. It's, it's the sort of book that there are a few kind of laugh out loud bits, especially mm. when you know the book and you are kind of exchanging barbs with each other. But it's kind of the sort of book that you kind of you smile all the way through yeah. while you're listening to it. It's kind of a very pleasant, easy it is very um, pleasant, read yeah. um, with some kind of some quite interesting ideas. Quite interesting. We didn't plan on kind of reviewing these two books together, but um, it's kind of interesting how there are parallels about the power of storytelling yeah, between uh, this one and the um, and the Ice Children and how important books are and kind of the you know, mm-hmm. books played quite a big part in the Ice Children and, and yeah, kind of, you know, the physical, um, the presence of books and how 
that can change um, the place, people, places, and stuff like that. So yeah, it's kind of quite interesting the parallels between um, those mm-hmm. two stories. And again, I think this is kind of quite a strong contender. I think Jarvis Cocker's like performance is really, really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think obviously Richard Ayoade and Lydia Fox, I think they both bounced off each other quite well. Mm-hmm. To, so again, another strong contender. Uh, what, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I basically agree with what you said. I thought it was a really nice listen. Uh, I'm glad I did. Interesting, got some funny things to it. Good use of kind of the audio format, even if, yeah, even though it wasn't built for it, but that is quite interesting looking at how the the formats clash and found that really interesting. And yeah, those messages about books being important, loads of good messages in there um, and kind of like describing you, but not by looking in a mirror. Um, you know, it's not about those physical surface things, about personality and various things like that. I, you know, lots of good messages in there, which is great. And yeah, promoting books, promoting storytelling, promoting reading, but reading for the fun of it. You know, it says at the end, kind of, you know, if you're writing stories, you should make them funny. And even if it doesn't have a point, you should make a point of making it fun. Um, or if you do want to give it a point, make a point of making it fun. I can't remember which one it yeah. was. But yeah, I really like that. And so, yeah, reason why it definitely deserves to be on the shortlist for these awards that are really trying to promote reading with young people and children's books and all that good stuff that we also definitely want to encourage as well. So yeah, I would recommend this one too. Okay, cool. Let's uh, wrap up. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. We'll be reviewing two more books on the shortlist in our next episode. If you can please continue to support the podcast by um, leaving a rating or review wherever you found us. Um, if you can leave a tip in the tip jar, that'd be great. You can find us on social media at AudioBookishPod. We're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that good <laughs> stuff. And if you want to drop us a message, you can email us at AudioBookishPod at gmail.com. Okay, Poppy, let's say bye. 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 bye.